Back in the day, wrestling, they had certain man waiting backstage. Fam, I was backstage like, yo, let me at him. Let me get him in man. What's going on, man? Well, bro, well, how are you? <sighs> I'm happy, man. Yeah. I'm, gonna, like, I'm happy. Um, I was saying, I was saying to you guys that like whenever I come to 412, it feels like coming home mm. because I've benefited so much from that ministry, but also been able to pour into it as well. And I love I love Susan, obviously love you, Toss, and just everything that we're doing, man. So yeah, it feels at home, it feels like family, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. That's what it's about. It feels like home, man. Blessings. Listen, I'm excited to have you on. Um, we even need to have a separate catch-up outside of this in general. For real, for real. <laughs> this one is for the mandem, um, mm. literally. And, you know, I know, I know you obviously, I know you mentioned, obviously, you know, you've been tuning into the series here and there and et cetera. So I'd love to know, I mean, what are your thoughts thus far? What are you thinking about this Model Man series? Mm. Um. That's a good question. I think it's needed. I mm. think it's needed. Um, and you know what? I'm going to be 100% real with you. Yeah. Ayo asked me, do I have a definition for what a model man is? Mm. And if I was to define it, um, and I said no. And I think mm. part of the reason why I said no is also because I'm like, I always want to be learning it. Like, I always want to be learning it. I always want to be in environments where it's being taught. And so, like, a series like this, bruv. It's ne like it's needed. I cannot. I cannot state how much it's needed. I, like, I actually cannot state for me personally, but also for so many of the men that I'm around as yeah. well, um, and some of the stuff that people have been sharing. And what I want to be able to do tonight as well. You said something really interesting. And um, you said, right, like we know Carl can do the motivational speaker and TEDx and that, but mm -hmm. this ain't ministry for that. Like we want to know. We just want to know who you are. And I was saying to you earlier that how like, I, was, I was praying and I had all these fancy terms for what the objectives are for today and all that. And the Holy Spirit says, shut up, man. Listen, <laughs> all I want you to do is come here today and instead of telling them what to do, mm. just show them who you are. Um, yeah. And that's difficult to do sometimes because it's so much easier to tell people what to do than it is to show them who you are. Because yeah. telling people to do it makes you feel good, but showing them who you are means you get to see all the cracks in that. And I think to answer the question, that's what I love about the Model Man series because we're creating yeah. a platform for people to see who men are, not just tell them what to do. That's good. That's good. And even leading on to that, right? Like, I'd like tell us, like, who are you first? And then tell, tell us, like, who are you? Mm. Let, let us know what you do as well, but who are you? Who is Carl? Yeah. Let's, let's let's start with a blank canvas, man. Um, yeah. You know, it's so funny. Like I tell, I, I ask people that question all the time, and I yeah. ask it because I know it's a difficult question to answer. But people don't really ask me that still, so it's always interesting when someone asks. I got to come up with an answer that is interesting. <laughs> um, who am I? I think the best way to describe me is by basically saying that I'm someone who likes to open their heart. And for people to see my heart, like okay. I'm someone who likes, you know, like those character trait um, uh, tests that you can do, personality tests. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do a lot of them 
my work that I do. And there's one like you can do the disc. You can obviously do Myers Briggs. You can do social styles and whatnot. Every time I do those character traits, yeah, all of my natural leanings fall on the side of expressive. Right. Like all of the time, like not even like a little bit, you know, like for example, with disc, you can get some people who are like 50, 50, 70, 30. I'm like 99 I, like 99 expressive, gregarious, etc. So like, that's actually me. Like it doesn't matter where you put me. That's what I'm going to be like. Um, mm. And I think that kind of speaks to the type of person I am. I'm a, I'm a sociable, loving, encouraging person. Um, obviously, as like a speaker, as a um, mentor, um, that's the line of work that I'm in. Um, but am I right to answer that by going like all the way back, like taking you all the way back? Or are we not please, diving into that yet? Please, bro, please, please do it. Yeah. I literally, and that's the thing because I actually asked the question is that I'm intrigued by your answer because I'm thinking, right. oh, you're talking about open hearts, but I want to hear what that is. Mm, mm. All right, cool, wicked. Let's take let's take it all the way back here. So I am, um, so I grew up in Southeast London. I'm a London-born um, Ghanaian, um, no. born in this country. And was born to born to Ghanaian a Ghanaian couple, but mm -hmm. my mum was a single parent essentially because my dad weren't really around like that. Um, and depending on who I'm talking to, I say a specific place that I'm from. So I basically lived slap bang in the middle of like Oakett Road, Elephant okay. and Castle, London Bridge, Bermondsey. Yeah. So depending on who I'm talking to, if I want to sound a bit posh, there might be yeah, London Bridge, like Borough. That's that's me. That's my vibe. But if I want to, if I'm talking to the man, I'll be like, yeah, man's from Old Kent Road. So like, I might switch it up depending on who I'm speaking to, innit? Um, and one of the things that I think is really interesting about me is that although I grew up on ends, I technically had, for the first part of my life, quite a sheltered upbringing. Um, okay. From the perspective of, like, my mum was one of those mums where it was like, of course you can play out, but you don't leave our garden. Like, what else is there yeah. for you? You don't, you don't need to be going... To these mad places, like I wasn't one of those kids, like in primary school, who was gallivanting to different areas. That was unheard of. For what? For why? You got a twin sister, so you and your twin, you've got everything you need to get together. So just make sure I can see you. And um, but not from a place of like restriction. As far as I was concerned, my childhood was lit. Like I had a I had a whale of a time. Um, but I weren't out here gallivanting. I went to like quite a small primary school. Um, again, everyone in the community knew each other. Um, I grew up in an environment where because a lot of my family um my grandma came over here and brought a lot of her kids here so i have a lot of family in this country and so my okay. first language wasn't even english my first actual official language was tree because everyone i was around spoke tree um my mum weren't one of those mums that I, I didn't spend time with childminders what's a childminder you're going to auntie and guy's house or you're going to your grandma's house why, why what do you need a childminder for um so yeah i think that was interesting but i say all of that to say that like especially pertaining to like the whole manhood series. Mm. I grew up in a family with very dominant females. Um, okay. And I, I learned from early that my mum was a G and she, she showed me from, from, from early that like, I remember I must've been about eight years old or so. And mm. I went to play out. My mum bought me a brand new bike. I was so mm. gassed about this bike. I've gone to play around my area. And mm. I think, I can't even remember exactly what happens, but two twos, the bike's gone. Swear. And I've gone bike's gone gone home gone to mum mum crying oh mum the bike's gone you know african prayers i'm like what do you mean the bike's gone the bike's not gone i'm like mum that like, someone took the bike no 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 no. we're going to find that bike go and find out where that bike is so i have to go back out with my tail between my legs like well like does anyone know who took my bike yeah. i came back with some information my mum comes 
drags me. She's like, all right, cool. We found out where he lives. We're going to get that bike back. Man. Took me up to the youth's house, knocked on the youth's door, bust the door, get that bike and bring it back. That boy brought that bike back in a flash. In wow. a flash. And, wow. and there were so, many, so many experiences where like, I learned that I was growing up in an environment. And a lot of the men on here probably relate to it, that your, mm. your, your mum and the women in your life have to step into roles that were left void because you maybe grew up without a father. Um, Mm. And so obviously things changed as I got a lot older, but yeah, I've always been quite blessed in terms of like family and friends and whatnot as well. And so, um, yeah, hopefully that gives some insight, but I'll obviously go into way more detail as well. You know, like based on what you just said, right? Like obviously, like you said that, you know, your mum was like a, almost like a dominant force, right? Um, and obviously you've shared that example of going and getting your bike back and et cetera. Um, so would you say that you was learning how to be like a boy and quote unquote a man from mum? Um, so yes and no. Mm. So I remember an experience, I don't know if Diani's on this call, but I remember an experience where my cousin came to live with me because he kept on getting into madnesses in Peckham. So he came I said mum was like Mac Lowry. So he came to stay with me and Tutu's, he got into a madness mm. and the youth got into a madness with, came to my house. And so they've called him out like, yo, come outside. He's outside, they're having a the rockers, they're trying to rush him. And I remember my mum, like she, she was ba like, she basically like half naked. You know how mum's like, they just like to walk around the house half naked. She had a cloth on her. And I remember she got like a wooden stick, blew outside. There's like five men outside, started banging on the door. And it's like, they just scurried away like some little mice. But wow. it's like, when you're seeing those type of experiences growing up, like you can't help but almost view that in a way that shapes your manhood. Do you right. get me? So although it might not necessarily have been a man in my house playing the dominant figure, I think a lot of the stuff that I learned inherently was from my mum. But I do think, and this is something that I did want to touch on today, it's like you are mirroring something that is distorted. Mm. So because I'm growing up in a household where as much as my mum might be playing both roles, it's actually a distorted household. So what mm. I'm mirroring doesn't make sense. And so I think as I've started to get older and I've been introduced to more men, um, I've started to realize maybe those gaps and the things that I didn't pick up as a result of growing in a predominantly women-dominant household. Um, but I did have like incredible role models. I had an uncle that stepped in and basically played that father figure role for me that was brilliant. But I definitely noticed that that's something that happened as I was growing up. So, so based on that, do you think that that's kind of, um, or do you think that that kind of has an effect on how you see men in general? Like, let's say, okay, thank God, like, you know, your uncle, he stepped in, do you get what I mean? And he was, he was able to, to kind of show you what I was like, but if he wasn't, like, how do you think you'd be now? Like, obviously, like you come across as a very confident person. Obviously I know that you are, obviously you look at the nature of the work that you do and et cetera. But even as we're thinking about like this, like model man thing, it's like take because some people don't have that. Mm. So I mean, mm. people don't have that at all. So my question is, is that if Uncle wasn't there, do you think you'd still be that cow that you are today? No, no, in right. short, no way. Um, and because I'm able to track, if I look back at my life, I'm able to track how I have become what I have consumed. Wow. 
So it's because those certain people have been around me that has shaped my life. But I think you're touching on something really interesting there, yeah? Because, and every man goes through this, whether you've got the right model around or not. But what you're touching on is basically like how you form your identity. Mm. So I remember mm. growing up, like I grew up in a, um, like I said, I went to like a small primary school. Yeah. But Football was my thing. I was a little fat kid when I was younger, but I was chubby. But I was the chubby kid that was like mad agile and I had bare dubs. So like oh, football wow. was my thing regardless. So in like primary school, I remember I went to quite a small primary school. And in that school, when I got to year six, I was the best player in the school. Wow. And so in school, like I'm king of the hill. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. To the point where if my sister gets into a madness in the playground, Half of the school runs to me and says, Carl, guess who did X, Y, Z? You get me? Like, I was like really king of the hill in my head. And it was so funny because I then went to secondary school. So I went to school in Peckham, um, St. Mm. Thomas the Apostle College. Where? That's where my... you... Yeah, yeah, that's where I went. That's where I went. Um, shout out to anyone on, on, on here who's from St. Thomas, man. Um, but I went to Apostle and you go from, and this is actually something that a lot of men and people struggle with anyway with regards to transition. I go from a school of 150, where I'm quote unquote the top dog, to a school of 750, where I'm walking in this school and I'm looking at men and I'm like, you look like somebody's uncle. You look <laughs> like someone's dad. Like, how have you got a beard already? I'm looking in this school and I'm like, what the hell? And like, to, to, to make it a little bit more specific, so you go from being the king of the hill and you've got your identity in football and your identity in being in the top set and all that. And you go to secondary school and you don't, I didn't even get into the football team. Like, yeah. I remember those I remember those trials, like, bear man are coming and they've got, like, older brothers that are the referees and whatnot. Oh, this is not me making excuses. But all that stuff's happening. I'm like, wow, I don't know what's going on. Like, how, I'm hearing the man them on the, on the side, the year 11s. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's my man's little brother. Pick him. Oh, or, yeah. Like, my man looks good. And I'm just looking like, right, I'm not even getting a touch of the ball. But I say all of that to say that, like, as a man, you go through different parts of your life where you find your identity in certain things. And if it's not modelled correctly, like, I wasn't going home and I didn't have anyone sit down and say to me, look, yes, you didn't get to the, into the football team, but it's okay. That doesn't make you who you are. So what happened is, as a result, I went from being, like, well behaved in school, being perfect to all of a sudden I'm running around in a gang called Tiny Terrors. And I'm oh, running around with all the Peckham youths and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to bad man up. And, and that wasn't my nature, but it's like, it just speaks to the point that we as men and human beings, like we, if we don't fill ourselves with the right thing, AKA Christ, we will fill ourselves with something. Um, and that's what I found happening to me, man. That, that's good, man. Sorry, Diani's making me laugh. He's flaming you. But... <laughs> I taught Diani how to play football, so tell him to, tell him to calm down. Tell him to calm down. <laughs> um, you mentioned something. You said, obviously, like, you was rolling around in a, a little gang called Tiny Terriers. Um, and, but obviously, surely that must have taken some confidence. Obviously, you said your confidence was, was not because you didn't get in a football team. But I'm intrigued to hear about how you found yourself in a gang and how you felt, or did you even feel comfortable when you was in that? But how did that come about? Hmm. It's, it's so it's so mad. I basically ended up following people around. Okay. And this is something that I think a lot of men maybe don't speak about. Like, I wouldn't describe myself as the natural alpha male. 
I'm not always the type of person to go into a room and to assume the most dominant position and to tell people what to do. I'm in a lot of positions of leadership, but mm. I don't necessarily think that's because of my alpha male tendencies. I actually just think that's because I'm often the person that wants to give and encourage and love. Mm. But what happened a lot, and I found that there was a pattern of this growing up, that I would position myself, not consciously, but when I look back on it now, I'd position myself next to someone who maybe did have that character trait and that would be how I'd find my identity and my confidence. And so one of my couple of my brethren who were likable people, good people, all of a sudden, I'm following them around enough to the point where if they're in that gang, then it means that I've got to be in that gang, innit? Do you yeah. get me? And it, and, and it feels, I get acceptance. And when I say gang, it's mad. I was in year seven. So don't get, like, I don't want anyone leaving here thinking I was a mad gunman. Like, I'm, I'm talking about year seven. <laughs> like, man was young. But because I was looking for acceptance, it was easy for me to kind of hide in that place. And was I confident? Yes, but actually a lot of that was born out of like insecurity. Um, mm -hmm. And we do that sometimes where we'll put ourselves in positions and on the surface, it will look like confidence, but beneath it is actually a lot of insecurity, man. Mm. So can you give us an example of what that was like then? So give us an example of like a, an insecurity, sorry, that you had that you was kind of portraying as confidence, even as you were going through all of this? Yeah, man. Um, so <laughs> I'll never forget this day from the rest of my life. So basically, remember I said I was a good you, you know? This is mm. why, listen, if you're on this call and you're a good you, know your place, bruv. I was a good you. So we're, we're like first term in, in year seven. Yeah. And like I've been, hang I'm, 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 I'm making a name for myself. Our oh, tiny terrors. I'm, I'm chilling with like siege and and qualms yeah. and all that. Like, cool. Um, and like we might do little things like the year 11s might get us in the little block and they might play scramble, and they like we have to punch each other up and try and win scramble. Just little things like that, but nothing mm. like too much. Mm. And it got to one point. I remember we were in the foyer area, and a couple of the people that I was with, they were like, you know what, maths is long, you know. Can we just leave? And obviously, in the back of my head, I'm like, whatever, let me just go with the flow because they're not really going to do it. Mm. And then we get to the, we get to the door mm. and mm. they're like, yo, all right, cool. We're going to go here and this is how we're going to get out. And I'm like, oh my days, they're actually doing this. <laughs> and I remember one of my brethren that I was following around, one of my brethren, Jeremy, um, I was he, he was actually my dog, like, and he was the little bad breed. So if mm. anything, he should have been going with them. And he said to me, rah, Nah, you know what? I'm not going, you know. And then he looked at me and he said, Cheese, are you going? But you know when someone looks at you as if to say, he wasn't asking me whether I was going. What he was saying to me is, brother, I know your mum. I know your family. I yeah. know your heart. You're not about this life. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I remember it was like I had a choice to make. I was like, right, if I don't go, then maybe these men are going to look at me like I'm not really about it. So maybe I should go. And I remember watching him run up the stairs giggling like, oh, Carl, you're mad. And I walked out the gate with him. My brother, before we even left the gate, we got nicked and got suspended. And, 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 and the only reason why I illustrate that story is because a couple of things. So we're on the bus now. And Tosan, come in if I'm, I'm chatting too much, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the bus now, yeah? Mm. And this is the day that I knew that this was not my circle. Everyone holding their suspension papers, they're just bossing up, laughing. Ha, 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 man got suspended. Ha, ha, ha. Man's not even going to tell my mum, boy. Watch, yeah. bruv. I'm just going to hide it. It was a badge of honour back then. 
I was shaking, thinking, and that is the day that I realized, bro, this is not my circle. Got home here, yeah, and again, I, I'm going to tell a lot of stories about my mum because my that woman is just something else. Um, got home, bust the door. There's tears in my eyes, mum. I can't believe I got suspended. Boom, boom, boom. I'm basically just gave me an ultimate and kept it kept it simple, man. She said, "Look, I've already got my ticket to go to Ghana in December. I can add another one, or you can change your ways. Just keep it simple." Um, and I made my decision from there. It was simple. But the reason why I share that is to say that, like, that insecurity was wanting yeah. to be accepted. And yeah. that wasn't the first and only time that I went through that. I went through that all the way through to uni and even, like, after uni. Wanting mm -hmm. to be accepted and wanting to be a part of people often is the very thing that goes against what manhood is. Because one of the key terms that I like to think about when I think about manhood is forging your own path and being prepared to be the real you. And often that's going to result in conflict because conformity is is very different to what like maturity and manhood is. That's good. That's really good. That's really good. And you know what? So even touching on this, right? So you, you spoke about different things, right? You spoke about football. You've spoken about obviously he's rolling around tiny Terry. You spoke about okay, why? Like obviously you followed these men at maths. Obviously now you get suspended. You go home. Mom's saying, listen, if you don't pattern up, you're going to Ghana. Like literally, pack your bags. Um, fast forward now, I'm looking at obviously where you are now. Me, myself, from the seat that I'm sitting in, uh, I kind of see yourself as, I do see yourself as an example. Um, I, I think, I believe that you are a model man to some. One of the things I want to highlight is even just your recent, uh, a recent achievement, which I'll let you kind of go into it. But I'd love to know, first, tell us a bit about your recent achievements so the mandem can be privy to what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Mm. But then also, tell me about how you feel like now, well, you are an example, or you might not even see yourself like that. So I'm intrigued to kind of see where your mind's at as well. We spoke about past tense. We've gone deep year seven, but I'm taking it to right now. Yeah. Your achievements and your mindset now. Talk to us. Cool. Um, so yeah, um, Tosan, the, the, the achievement that Tosan is talking about is I was recently awarded um, a BEM from the Queen, um, which on. is a humongous achievement. Um, and I was saying to the man that like, I wasn't expecting that in the slightest, mm. um, like not in the slightest, especially not with what everything that happened last year. It's an incredible achievement. Um, and Carl, Carl, wait, wait, Carl, wait. Yeah, you're playing it down. But can you explain as well, like, what is a what is this achievement? So what is it, you know, like, a yeah. BM and what does that mean? What does that represent? Like, why was you put forward, et cetera? Yeah. So every year, the Queen does a New Year's honours list. Yeah. And basically, these honours go to people who have done outstanding service in various communities. So some people get, some. a lot of people got them the same year that I got it last year for the services during the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, and more specifically, you get different levels. Obviously you get knighthoods, you get OBEs, you get MBEs, and this is a BEM, which stands for a British Empire Medal. Mm -hmm. And this, this um, service or this award was given to me specifically for services to disadvantaged young people during oh. the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and I really want to, I actually want to touch on that at some point. But during the coronavirus pandemic, my social enterprise, for those who don't know, I run a social enterprise called Two to Three Degrees, a business called Two to Three Degrees. 
Um, and we actually turned five years old today. So all glory goes to God, man. Um, thank you, man. Like an absolutely incredible achievement. It's so mad to have something as a vision and then to see that thing come to pass to the point where other people are running behind that vision that you originally had as well is incredible. Um, but I think, yeah, so the, the award itself is obviously hugely prestigious. Um, don't worry, you don't get no peace for it or nothing. But you do obviously get like a new title and that. Um, and so one of the things that I think is really powerful about that is what actually made me emotional about it was mm. when I read what it was for. When mm. it said for services to disadvantaged young people. Mm. And that really struck a chord for me because last year the Lord took me on a real journey of character. Wow. And wanted me to see the importance and the need for me to grow in that area. Um, wow. So if you don't mind, Tosan, I just want to tell a little bit of, of a story wow. to kind of give I am, so I've been, quote unquote, a motivational speaker for quite a few years now. The business is five years old, but ever since the business and before that, I've been speaking. Um, I remember I must have been like 12 years old. I went to my mum and I was like, mum, I think I want to be a pastor or I think I want to be a priest. Like I saw some vision. But these times I weren't even saved. I was just going to like a Methodist church um, and looking for girls. I was doing the madness. So like <laughs> we, we, um, so, so, so we fast forward and I'm delivering talks and doing whatnot and doing a lot of that work. And what happens is you, I developed a personal brand where I'm putting out content, um, coaching people, mentoring people. And alongside that, I've got the social enterprise that works specifically with young people. Cool. So then what I noticed is there was always a bit of tension between the personal brand and Carl Canardu and maybe my, my, my role in my service to young people, which is still a tension, which is still a tension that I kind of struggle with sometimes today. But last year, I went into the year wanting to do this conference called Upgrade the Dream. Okay. I think I, I, yeah, we even spoke about it. I was yeah, super yeah, gassed. Yeah, yeah. 2019, I did like four events. The first event I ever did was sold out over 100 people. Yes. Yes. So I'm in my head. I'm like, cool, I'm going to do a conference now. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the next thing to do, isn't it? That's the, that's, the, that's the next place to go. And I remember I was praying. And as I was praying, um, I felt this term, upgrade the dream. And so I remember I felt it. I prayed over it a little bit. And then I ran into the office one day. I was like, guys, I've got it. God gave me a word. We're doing a conference called Upgrade the Dream. Cool. I got a little bit of crickets from the team. That should have been a sign. But I was like, you man, no, like upgrade the dream. Trust me, the Lord has given me a word. Bearing in mind, like there are people, I've never done that before. There are people that work for me that aren't even Christian. So for me to go in there, God gave me a word. Very interesting. Long story short, we're working towards this conference. It's supposed to take place in April last year. Working towards this conference. Obviously, little do we know that the country is about to go into lockdown. But mm. I had a moment where I reached out to a speaker called Mike Hastings. And for those who have met Lord Mike Hastings, absolutely incredible man. Um, he's the type of man that when you meet him, he remembers you and embraces you as if he's known you for years. But this wow. was the first time meeting him. Um, long story short, I asked him to speak at my conference. Um, and his response is really what triggered the lesson that I want to learn, that I, that I want to be able to share. I said to him, can you speak? And he said, Carl, I will always honor and love you. Of course, I'll speak at your conference. I have two questions for you. Number one, in the time that you have left, do you think that you can do this with the quality and the value that you stand for? 
That's and good. number two, this is the part that really got me. Do are you doing this from a place of success or service? Wow. And I remember I was triggered. And I responded straight away, like, no, nah, we just released some speakers yesterday. Don't worry, we got this. Yeah. Get me, I was triggered. Um, and I put the phone down. And as soon as I put the phone down and waited in silence, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you just need to meditate on that. You just hmm. need to sit down and you need to meditate on what he just said. Um, as a result of what he said, we ended up, I ended up having a conversation with my business partner. And yeah. she even wrote to me and she was like, look, you're an incredible leader. And we will get behind you. But I have to say that I knew that this conference wasn't something that we should be doing from the day that you said it. But if you as a leader come into a room and say, God told you X, who are we to argue with that? And that was the first incredible lesson that I got where she helped me that just because you got either a gift or you've got the capacity to be in a position of leadership, Mm. exercising that gift with wisdom and humility is more important than your talent because mm. i was able to get my whole team behind me to be like yeah let's do this let's do this let's do this but actually over time i started to realize that it was like i was pushing against the brick wall um mm. later on then had a conversation with mike on the phone mm. and i'll never forget what he said to me he said look carl I don't want you to be a firecracker. Okay. I want you to be a flame. I don't want you to fizzle for two minutes and do exciting stuff. But he kept it real with me. He was like, there's too many black people on Eventbrite trying to teach people how to be successful and they're broke. Wow. He was like, Carl, like you're trying to tell people, oh, upgrade the dream, successful. He was like, what have you done? He just wow. kept all the way with me. And it's like, when you are met with that type of honesty wrapped in love by the way but i'm on the phone to my man he's telling me this truth and in the same sentence he's like by the way i love you by the way i love you and so it's like it was my first experience of how love and truth go hand in hand and i remember that conversation was so incredible because guys what i'm trying to tell you is i came into 2020 with a desire to upgrade the dream and get people to buy tickets and do the, the lit Instagram post that says sold out the Hilton Hotel, boom, boom, boom. But the other plans, and instead of me doing that, I left 2020 with a BEM. Come and on. it's like, the reason why I go back to that point about serve, the, the reason why I got emotional when I saw that it said services to young people, it was God saying to me, stop focusing on what you can get. You want to be the, 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 the shining light. You want to be on the stage. You want to be the person at the front. Actually, if you focus on what you can give and the service you provide, I will exalt you. Come and so on. I think that's so incredible for us to learn as men, God. putting character ahead of confidence. Your confidence will put you in rooms sometimes where your your sees your mouth. You can't read actions. And so, yeah, I just want to share that piece there about a big part of manhood is don't abuse your gift. And I had to go through that lesson last year and the Lord wanted me to see that. Yes, you're a leader. Your team will get behind you. But just because they will get behind you, it doesn't mean that you should take them anywhere and everywhere. That's good. Like say, for example, ministry, you know, you got a team, you got a family. The people, like my, my business partner said to me, listen, bro, you have to understand the gift that you have. We will get behind you and go where you want us to go. The burden that you then have is, are you taking us to the right place? Come and I on. spent six 
and God knows amount of money preparing for this conference. And that is a lesson that I will never forget. So My there's God. something really incredible there about how your character has to be ahead of your confidence, man. You know, as, as you're speaking, um, one of the scriptures that is literally just ringing so loud in my head is um, humble yourself before the Lord, you know, and at the right time, you know, you'll be exalted. And I think even just talking to, obviously, Lord Mike Hastings, who, again, a model man in this situation and a model man to you, here, um, it's not that he didn't appreciate the dream or what you was doing. Um, but it, it's mad how he was able to kind of correct you, but then affirm you in the same mm. sense. Do you think that this has contributed to the man that you are today? So even as you have like literally, as you are become, as you become a man, as you've been going through this journey, and even this key moment in your journey, how would you say that's affected you in terms of you actually being a man? And I want to know a bit more about as well, like how did you, even in this moment when, when Lord Michael Hastings was was telling, basically telling listen, don't just be like a firecracker. I don't want you to just fizzle out. How did that even make you feel in that moment as well? You know, the beautiful thing about truth is although it may pierce your soul, hmm. it edifies your spirit. Wow. And so I think there's something so incredible there about if you are willing and you do have a heart to genuinely receive, even if someone speaks truth that is painful, actually the seed that is being sown there is a seed of love. And so in that moment, it was, it was mad because it was almost as if like, he was telling man, was mad. he was telling man that basically you're not successful enough to teach these people how to be successful. You need to go and work on your, your character and you need to go and work on X, Y, Z. But I was smiling. Because as much as it was painful, in my heart, what I'm really hearing is there is another man out there that loves me enough to tell me the truth and to tell me truth that is going to lead to growth. Because I'm not mad. I can see it. And this, and this is the beautiful thing about truth as well, is that when we speak the truth to people who are willing to receive it and people who are willing to be good ground, what you're doing is my, 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 my focus on that conference was like this, narrow. I just yeah. want to do the, I just want to do the lit Instagram post. I just want to sell out. I just want to make some bread. But actually when someone starts to tell you the truth, what they get you to do is they get you to lift your head up and yeah. get so wider perspective. That's good. And if you truly want to grow, you will see all of that room that you've now got for growth and be like, actually, that's way better. So as much as it might hurt in the moment, actually so much better for you. And a, a, a final thing on that before I answer the, the first part of the question a couple of days later, when I had officially cancelled the conference and I was like feeling sad and in pain, I remember I was on a bus and I was just speaking to the Lord and I was just like, I'll be honest, I feel, I feel in pain, I feel sad, I feel boom. And the Holy Spirit said to me, why would you say that you're in pain? Because I actually haven't taken anything away from you. My God. If you feel as though I've taken something away from you, that means your identity was in the wrong thing. Come on, man. If, if you're telling me that I am all you need, mm. if you're telling me that I am your bread of life, if you're telling me mm. that I'm your everything, if I take away a conference, why are you walking around in pain? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, it's like, literally, it's like someone steals my Jordans 
And mm. then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I can't go out because my legs can't walk. Yeah. Like, no took your legs. They just took your kicks. Put on some other trainers and get going. But that's how we move sometimes when it comes to, like, material possessions and things and success. And the Lord's really been speaking to me a lot about that lately with regards to not just putting my identity in, like, social status. And even, like, BEM, I had to pray mm. about it. Because I was like, Lord, look, like, it's cool and it sounds good, but... I don't want to be putting myself in positions where these things start becoming idols. And it's so easy for those things to become idols. Um, yes. So the final thing that I want to mention there is because you, you basically wanted me to touch a little bit more on kind of that model man and, and what, what that means. Yes. I think once you've got, what, what has done for me personally as a man, like you have a toolbox and everywhere you go in your life, you're, you're going into your toolbox to use that toolbox to start a business, to build a relationship, to do all of those experiences, I add to my toolbox. But John Maxwell said something incredible. He said, experience isn't the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. Because there are none of us as men who go through experiences but because we don't evaluate it, we can't pull that out and say, we don't even go to the secret place and say, Lord, what is it that you wanted to teach me through that thing? Whoa. And so until we get to that place, and that's why, like, as a man, Jesus. like a habit has to be the secret place. Come like, on. That can't be optional. That can't be optional because you yeah. can be going through life, going through mad stuff, going through so many things, but you miss all of the lessons because you don't go and wait at the Lord's feet and say, well, okay, what's going on? Where am I at? Like your revelation for the things that you're learning in your life, yeah? Boom, that's a daily thing. A daily. daily thing the Lord should be saying to you, boom, boom, whether it's through scripture, whether it's through waiting on the Lord and being quiet, even if it's just through, you know, counsel with your godly brothers, but like, that's why sometimes for me, I understand that people work differently, but like journaling is so key. Because right. I've got to sit down. I remember one of my pastors once said to me, he said, look, whenever you pray, you sit down, go to pray, but you just make sure you've got that notepad and that notepad and that pen side. Because when the Lord licks something on your spirit, you better yeah. be ready to get that down. You need to be expectant Whoa. in a different place. Um, yeah. So yeah, for me, I think that's that's definitely a big part of manhood, man. That's so good, man. Uh, look, I, I want to highlight. Look, I want to highlight some of the things you said. Obviously, you spoke about obviously what John Maxwell said. You spoke about evaluated experience. Because I'm always, you know, I always say things that literally like you can't buy experience. But you saying evaluated experience is, bro, for me personally, that's a game changer. Game changer. It's key. It's key. Game changer. But then let's talk. Obviously, you're speaking about the secret place and. I, I'm somebody that I used to feel like, fam, that journal thing is long. Now I'm a man of several journals. I can't even lie. I've got my journal mm. for he's got my journal for Serbo, got my journal for this and that. But why would you say that that's an act that is important even as a man? Do you get what I mean? Um, why would you say that's important? And, and how has that even helped you and helped shape you in terms of how you are today as well? Yeah, man. Um, I think like... And this is not to be too deep here, but mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of the time as men, mm -hmm. because of the way we are wired sometimes, we pick up stereotypes that the world has given us and mm -hmm. we allow them to govern our lives. 
So right. it's like, because I'm a man, I don't do the emotion thing. Or because I'm a man, I don't do the expression thing. And it's like, you can't take a worldly stereotype and use that to govern your spiritual life. That's madness. Like, that, that doesn't make sense. And so it's like, I think what is really key for me is I know what happens when I'm an empty vessel. I know that I run straight to pornography. I know that I run to masturbation. I know that I run to food. I know what happens when I'm an empty vessel. And oftentimes the times where I am empty, maybe I've poured out, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm a bit stressed. When I look back a lot of the time, it's because I haven't spent that time in the secret place and I haven't been doing what is that evaluate. I haven't gone to the Lord and said, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. Lord, this is what I'm going through. Lord, I feel myself running out of patience. What's going on? Like we don't have that. I remember when I first got saved, yeah? And I, I remember I first got saved and I was on a prayer meeting and the first time I heard someone call God daddy. And there was a woman on there. She was like, daddy God. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, bro, that stopped me right in my tracks. I was like, huh? So was that, is that what Christians be doing, yeah? Because again, for me, the whole idea, that, that intimacy with our father, even father was difficult at a point. And again, wow. like for me, that was difficult because I grew up without my father. Yeah. You know, we had a strange relationship. He passed away 12 years ago. And so oh, that, that, that has an impact on how you view fatherhood. So when you're coming into Christ and you're looking at God and you're hearing people say, Daddy God, and you're like, no, 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 we don't have that kind of intimacy. But if you can't have intimacy with the Lord in the secret place, then how do you expect to move past certain things? Um, and so I think for me, just to give some like, not necessarily practicals, but just to share what it was like for me, I think being around people who had that intimacy, I was chatting to someone the other day, I think it might have been Dee, and he was saying that like, hmm. prayer is a spirit and you can catch it. Come on. And so if you put yourself in positions where you're seeing men cry out for God, Fam, I remember I used to see people, grown men, crying for God. And I'd be looking like, brother, what is going on right now? This is mad. <laughs> and I remember when I, I think I went to Light London, like Friday Fires. You know Light London? Yeah, 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 yeah I was went there. there. Friday Fires. It was like, yeah, I think his name is James Aladirin or something like that. He came yeah, 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 yeah. Brother, there's a video somewhere on the internet of me at the front on my knees crying out. Because wow. when you're in that position and when you're in that place of worship, after a while, you can't hold on to your, I want to look good and I want to feel good stuff. And so I Come think on. it develops as a practice the more we surround ourselves with men who do it. It also develops as a practice the more we read the word. Because we start to read the word and we realize that actually, no, this is not something that I can take for granted. It's something that I've got to do. But yes. it also develops because it's almost a bit like if I, if I eat a sweet mango... And I tell, and I can now tell what a ripe mango looks like. The next time I go look for mangoes, I'm going to look for a ripe one. Yeah. So if I get in the secret place and I begin to get that revelation and get that, get those lessons and, and feel that intimacy with the Lord, I'm going to go back for more. Um, yeah. So that, so it's cyclical. It's that like we just got to continue to do it and do it and do it again. That's good. Now, I, I want to read a scripture. And then following that scripture, I'm going to ask, how do you think we actually kind of make these positive habits or we actually like move in these literally consistent cycles, right? So I'm reading 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. 
a scripture we all know and love in this place. Okay, and I'm reading NLT because I've been loving the version at the moment. It says this, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. I'm focusing on here as well, being an example, and I'm loving what you're saying because I think it's exemplary. I think that the fact that you're saying, look, mandem, get in a secret place, get your notepad and pen, and start writing down some of these things, yeah? I think that literally you're bringing practicality to what almost a form of intimacy with him can look mm. like. Mm. Okay. Um, so how is it as men, how do we, how do we become consistent? Mm. How, how, how do we demonstrate these attributes on a consistent basis? Because you spoke about, because you said, I'm going back on to what you said. You said that when I'm not in a secret place, I run to porn. I, I run, you know, I start, I can start masturbating or whatever it is because you was disconnected from the secret place. So how do we keep ourselves consistent as men? Mm, mm. Um, you know, the problem with being a motivational speaker, sorry about that. The problem with being a motivational speaker is that what happens is people and you yourself, you start to rely on motivation. Um, and you think motivation and willpower is enough to get you through certain things. And I had to learn quite early on that that's not how this works. Um, I can't remember who said it, but what I've noticed over time is that instead of relying on my willpower, what I've got to do is create a system. Okay. The system doesn't rely on how I feel. A okay. system is always going to work as long as the right things are inputted. So, for okay. example, a system that I try to stick to is like waking up at 5 a.m. Let's use that as an example. Yes, sir. Because that's a system and my bedtime is 10 p.m., for example, what happens over time is like when I get to 8 p.m., 9 p.m., I'm no longer trying to create an excuse as to why I should stay up because actually what I'm saying is, yo, this is the system that I'm using to live my life. And so it's, I'm not, I'm just, it's actually just becoming the norm. That's the system. That's what we can do at a, like a fleshly level. That's really, really simple. But one of the things that I've noticed over time is that like your word and your language are two different things. Okay. Explain, and bro. So for a long time, as a speaker, I would be going out and being super confident on these platforms and I would be teaching people what I read in a book. Wow. And that was good because it's like, I can communicate really well and I can get people inspired behind this thing. But I realized over time that there's a very big difference between speaking a certain language and sharing a word. Because if we go into the book of John, your word is to do with who you are. Your language is to do with the words that you're saying. And often they don't match up. And what we have to do is get to a point in our lives where the language that we're speaking with our mouth 
matches up with the word that we are saying that we are. So now I've got to look at my habits that I'm creating and I've got to go deeper than just habits and motivational quotes. I've got to say to myself, who am I? Yeah. Who am I and who is who has the Lord called me to be? Yeah. Why am I saying I want to do these things? What, how do they link to my identity? And I think that's, that's, that's part of the reason why we've got to get the word in our heart. Because if I say that I'm called to be fruitful and multiply, Mom. the way I respond to certain situations have to match that. It okay. can't just be something I say in life, but actually I don't live in real life. Like the actions and the words I've got to correspond. As yeah. I think for me, when it comes to habit building, this is not to say that I'm perfect. We've got to go beyond the surface and actually get to, okay, but how does that link with your identity? Because yes, you went on a platform and told these men that people should start businesses. And it, but when we look at your life, do we see that? Wow. Like, do we see you reaping the, what you're sowing? Um, so I think there's something really important there about identity. Ah, that, that's so good. And I'm, look, I'm going to read another scripture again. And I want you to, I want you to go off it. In the same thing, because I'm loving this conversation, the Lord led me to Galatians 5. Again, I'm reading the NLT. Mm. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> My God. Verse 22 says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I was led to yeah. that after what you were talking about as well. Go off yeah. that, my brother, in terms of the importance of even these things regarding manhood, regarding these things. Because I love what you said about the systems. Again, you're making it practical. You said 5 a.m. I'm also, bro, I follow the same kind of format. You know, if I don't wake up early to pray, I may not pray intensely that day. I might not, because of my work and all of them things. So I always try to wake up early. I love the system, but here I'm talking about, it's, it's, it's talking about some of the, us following our desires, which is what a lot of men do. Yeah, and it's look, the scripture's clear, it's telling you what you can look. I love it. Thank you for talking, man. You've listed it out, mm. you've listed it out, and it talks about the Holy Spirit. So, please talk to us as well, man. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> so I got saved maybe about three years ago, right. um, and I've struggled with like pornography and masturbation, um, quite a bit. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is I will, I'll never forget this day. Um, I had been falling, getting my heart, falling, getting my heart, falling, getting my heart. And you know, especially when it's early on, it's like you're working on this, you're working on this, you're working on this. And then after a while, 
you check yourself and you're like, wait, but I do love God though. Mm-hmm. So why is this falling off? Like, I, but Lord, I actually do love you. Um, and there was a moment where I was one night and I fell wow. and I was sitting on the edge of my bed. So for mm-hmm. those listening, I, I basically watched pornography and I masturbated. Um, yeah. to make it black and white. And I was sitting on the head of my bed like a little baby because I knew, I thought the Holy Spirit said to me like, you need to pray. But in my, I was under my breath and I was like, I don't want to do this, bro. I just want to go to bed. I was so annoyed. I was just frustrated, yeah. annoyed. I was like, I'm fed up. I'm actually sick of this. I'm yeah. sick of this because what I'm saying with my words in my prayer time and what I'm living in my actions aren't matching up. So I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why, why does this keep happening? And I remember I was praying, I was praying, I was praying and I was saying, Lord, like, take this thing away from me. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And the Holy Spirit called me and said, don't pray for the action to stop. My God. Pray for your heart to change. And I had read the scripture before, but the, the, the scripture that the Lord put on my heart was, create in me a clean heart, oh Lord. And as I was praying, like the way that revelation sunk in, and sat on my heart. Like, stop praying for the action to change. Stop praying for the fruit to be different. Pray for the seed to be correct. Yes. There's something incredible there for us as men to know what the matters of the heart are and to go after those things. Because that's often the reason why vulnerability is so difficult. Remember I was saying that it's easy to come on a platform like this and tell people what to do rather than to tell people who I am. Because mm-hmm. telling people what to do can be done from my head. Telling people who I am is to do with my heart. Mm. And that piece there of going on the journey of the of, of, of working on, Lord, that correct my heart, man. That work on my heart. Like, I've been in a season lately. I recently moved out of my mum's house. Um, yeah. Moved into my own place. And it was born out of this, this desire for more maturity and, and, and manhood and growth. And since I've moved here, what I've started to notice is, like, because a big part of me wanting to move, was because I felt that I need to level up and I needed a new challenge. Yeah, and I was yeah. too comfortable at home. Business might have been brilliant and whatnot. And I'm doing a di- and I'm running a discipleship group and I'm ministering and doing all this stuff. But it was like, you're too comfortable. Get out. Cool. So I made the move. And after a couple of months, I was sitting down and I was like, Lord, like I've made this move. But like I swear you kind of promised that like, like my, my piece is gonna go up. Like, so like what's going on? Like, let's move. Like, what's going on? Um, and so lately I've been talking to a lot of people about like wealth and money and whatnot and needing to be intentional about that. And just on the weekend, I was praying. Yes, sir. Praying and I felt the Lord saying to me, look, all of these things that you're desiring and that you're wanting, okay, no problem. But my friend, there is an order in which you need to live your life. And I want your heart in order to make sure you're living in that right order. Because often what we do is from a worldly perspective, we say, I want profit or I want a material possession or I want, I've even got a screensaver on my screen. If I was to share my screen, it's the Mercedes-Benz GLE, GLC, Coupe, gunmetal grey, the whole shebang. I'm like, that's the thing. And the Lord really started speaking to me and saying, look, these things are cool. Like you want these things, but... Be careful not to want these things more than you want me. And there is an order in which you need to do these things. And so what the Lord really spoke to me about was you first need to be in the right position. And as a result of being in the right position and your heart being facing the right way, if we look at, you know, we look at 
King David, they said he was a man after God's own heart. If we yeah. look at Paul, everything switched from Saul to Paul the minute he had that encounter with him because all of a sudden the Lord had his heart. If your heart is in the right position, position, that's P number one, I can then make sure that your purpose is being used for the right reasons. And as okay. a result of living purposely, the byproduct of that will be profit. That's but good. often that's what we do is we go to God and we say, Lord, I want profit. But your position isn't even in the right place. Your heart isn't even focused on God. As I think there's something incredible there about us saying, Lord, what do you want? Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all yeah. its righteousness. And then yeah. these things shall be added unto you. But we all forget. We all get twisted sometimes. We all get all the wrong. And so yeah. position, yeah. purpose, and then profit is, is something that's been really key for me. Position, purpose, profit. I'm even saying it again so I remember it. Position, and I like to tell you use that position is that purpose, and then you will profit. That is dope. Mm, mm, mm. There, there's something incredible there as well. Just that, like, I think it's Matthew 6 27 that says, Which one of you, by worrying, can add a cubit of time to your yeah. life? A cubit, or I think another version says, like, a morsel or something like that. And it's like, well, at one point I was I was praying and I really felt God saying that like because that's what happens when we like when am I gonna buy my, 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 my yard? When am I gonna buy this car? How am I gonna have money to pray for pay for the wedding? How am I gonna this? How am I gonna that? All of that produces worry. But what the Lord was saying in that scripture is your worry, it actually has no return on investment. Like that's the good. more you worry and the more you focus on these things, they don't give you anything back. But if you get yourself in the right position, my friend, the return on investment that you get from being focused on the Lord. One thing that the God has been speaking to me about this year specifically is that I'm in bare WhatsApp groups and whatnot about investing and all that stuff. And that is good and that is needed. But the Lord has been saying to me over and over again, you better remember the biggest return on investment that you're ever going to get in your life is from me. Give me your heart. Yes. And don't talk to me about no Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that investing is bad. No, no way, shape or form. But give me your heart first. You know? So good. So, yeah, I think there's something really, really special there, man. There is, there is. Um, oh, God, yeah, I can stay there, fam. I feel that I feel the presence of God. Um, what am I saying to you? I want to talk about discipline. Um, mm. Kind of following on from the systems. Um one could even argue that it requires you to be disciplined in order for you to be in the right position. Um, what I mean by that is to, you know, build up a prayer life or build up that kind of life of intimacy, even though the Lord has already made us righteous, right, standing with him, there's still a, a, a renewing of the mind that needs to take place. And that, that requires uh, some form of intentionality as well. Talk to me about some disciplines that you implement in your life as a man as well i'd love to hear it yeah man um <laughs> i'll keep it all the way 100 with you guys i had Please. a conversation with a lady friend on saturday and you know we've gone for like a couple walks and whatnot uh -huh. so we're just friends we're, we're, we're just friends yeah and we're bannering and she's like man i can't wait until june 21st you know you got your new place, man. I'm gonna be round there sometimes, red right, right, right. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
right in their tracks and be like, hey girl, like, hey girl. And I just have to keep it real with her and say, look, man, as much as I would love that, like me and you are mad cool, but that's not happening. Like you're mm. not, you're not, you're not coming around here for me and you to be one on one. Um, and mm. so I think from the relationship perspective, being a young single man um, with red blood running through my veins, I think a big discipline is just the environments that I put myself in with regards to women. Um, I think that 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 point is 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 really really important. Um, I think one key discipline that I think helps me. Is, is, is reading. So I was listening to Miles Monroe the other day and he was saying that like, there's like quite a few different spheres of wealth and we've got our spiritual wealth and we've got our, what he called soulical wealth um, okay. in terms of your soul, your, 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 your mind, your will, your emotions. And he's saying okay. that, you know, your God, gives you, God gives you your brain at one level. Don't go and return your brain to God at the same level that he gave it to you. Um, educate that. yourself, like build yourself up. And so I think in terms of disciplines, little things like, um, you know, just making sure I, I, I try and read books. I'll listen to one book on Audible and then I'll read one book um, physically. Um, disciplines like, like I've mentioned, trying to wake up at um, 5 a.m. and make sure in the morning time I've got that reading time. I've got, you know, discipline of having accountability partners and having regular accountability check-ins when you can. Um, disciplines or even like mentorship. This is another point I want to make when it comes to manhood as well. Yeah, I think, and again, depending on where you're coming from, you might be more open to this than others. I was coming from a background where, although I didn't have a father figure, I I didn't before. Although I didn't have a father that I grew up with, I had a father figure, and so that and my uncle was very intentional about because he's only like thirty six, so he's only like six years older than me. Yes, so it could have been like a big bro fronting but he was very intentional about saying no i am your uncle and i'm going to take you under my wing to the point where in year seven he he said to my mom no you're not taking him to school i'm going to take him to school the first time and i remember like he took me on the bus and i was gassed and i wanted to run upstairs and pull me back and said, no let's go to on the bus we sit down talk to you when you go to the, to the bus you're going to see year 11s you're going to see kingsdale youth you're going to see xyz make sure you're exercising wisdom about where you go and so i think there's something there about as a man, it can be difficult, but discipleship itself means coming under someone else. Come on, and, and, and being prepared to be a student and being humble enough to be rebuked, to be chastised, and even to be encouraged. But a lot of us are growing up in environments where that wasn't the case. And so if you <laughs> now talk to someone about seeking a mentor, or coming under someone, or even mentoring someone, they're like, they're not naturally inclined to do that. But in terms of habit, manhood, that is primary. That is not even debatable. Whenever I meet a man who doesn't desire mentorship and people to pour into and pour into their life, it's always a red flag uh, because it speaks to something in your heart that says, I don't want someone to see me naked. And wow. that's the real point there about how wow. naked accountability is what we really need as men. I mean, I'm in quite a few groups and I'll just speak honestly. I'm in groups and I'm like, it's so easy to be in a group and, and be amongst men and only turn up with half of yourself. Okay. It's like, can you form relationships where people know you for who you actually are? Not just for the good words that you say. Cause anyone can sow a good word, but like naked accountability is, Brother, 
me and her, it's, it's like, it's, and it's not even necessarily to do with how, like, big, quote-unquote, the sin is. It's more to do with, like, are you willing to show someone your heart? That's like, true. are you willing to say to someone, this happened and it hurt me? Jesus. Or this happened and it made me feel like this. It belittled me. Those are words, as men, that we don't often speak. And I think that naked accountability point is key, which links back to what we were saying about the intimacy and the way that we view Christ. That's For some men, like, it still feels awkward calling Christ your father or your daddy. And that's, mm. so, there, there's something in that. There's something in that that we need to address and, 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 and fix. And so, yeah, I think that naked accountability point is, is super key. That, that is so dope. And I'm, I'm going to ask you even another question as I've ready the people. Mandem, please ask your questions. We're going to go into like a Q&A session now. And I really want Carl to really just dig in. So please, let's ask some real questions, some authentic questions. Um, literally, and just be real and transparent, just like how we would be literally if we was, if we was literally all together. Um, literally, no shackles. Ask your questions. Direct, blunt, you name it. Carl's ready. He can he can take it. He can handle it. So please. Um I love what you were saying about naked accountability, by the way. Um, that's very good. So I, I want to ask, for example, do you have mentors in your life? How did you go about getting these mentors? And then how did you even feel comfortable to even be naked in that way before them? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the key pieces of advice. Oh, so one of the key things that I've learned about mentorship is that it's often, this is a quite a controversial thing to say, but it's often a lot easier to help people that are already helping themselves. That's good. And so I noticed that a lot of my mentors came from being in environments where I was seeking to grow in the first place. So I chose to be planted in my church Christian life fellowship, but I chose to not be a Christian who sits on the fringes of their church. I chose to be a Christian who wanted to be planted in that house, join a team, go to the prayer meetings, make people know your name and know what's going on in your life, and then approach people and say, I want a spiritual mentor. Mentor me. Go to your pastor or go to the person that you admire and, and actually build a relationship and seek. So I think the first thing is the appetite to be mentored and to be poured into often comes from you getting up and wanting to move forward in the first place. A lot of the time, the reason why you don't want to be mentored is because maybe you know that your growth in your life requires a vulnerable part of you that you're not willing to go to. So you don't actually really want to grow, which is why you're comfortable to say, oh, man, mentors are so hard to find. No, go and do the steps that you can do yourself. And often you will then find mentors are in those places. Like the amount of mentors that I've got that have been from programs that I've been on. And so as a result of me being in that program, because I'm seeking to grow, it's Come easier on. to attract growth if I'm going in the direction of growth in the first place. So I think that's, that's one thing. Um, I think being clear about what the mentoring relationship is about. Some people you're going to have are just going to pour into your life. Um, you know, like Mike Hastings, I go to him about everything and anything. But, you know, my pastor is my spiritual mentor. You know, yes. I might have a mentor that's more specific to business. Um, yeah. I have mentors that maybe there's someone that I go to specifically for finances. Yeah. And so it's like taking that Paul and Timothy relationship and exercising it and stretching it out in every area of my life. My thing is I have to ask myself sometimes, 
Why would I not want someone who has been there, done it, bought the T-shirt to be able to look at me and say, how this is how you do it? Like, why would I not want that? That's actually ludicrous. It's dumb. It doesn't make sense. Um, so for me, I think that's a key part of mentorship. And then the only final thing that I want to share on that mentorship piece is that, like, you, you often only really get out of mentorship what you're willing to put in. Um, mm. I've got to a place now where, like, I'm excited about that naked accountability because I've seen its fruit. There are mm. some things in our lives, because they're still in the dark, they still have power over us. But as soon as I bring that thing open and bring it to the feet of someone that I love or bring it into a community that I love, all of a sudden that thing doesn't even have as much power over me. I used to say to people that like, there was a moment in my life where I remember I was walking around and it felt as though I had a gray cloud over me because it was like the enemy was saying to me, look, you might go one day without masturbating or watching pornography, but my brother, when you get home, I'll be there. Or when you get to Thursday and you're tired, I'll be there. So it was like a gray cloud just following me. But it was like, as soon as I was able to be more open about that, as soon as I was able to be, you know, vulnerable about that, all of a sudden it became a lot easier for me to have power over that because this thing doesn't have power over you because it's in the darkness. So I think bringing it to the light is really key when it comes to mentorship. Um, yeah. That's so good. That's so good, obviously. <laughs> Listen, Carl, you've been guiding today. It's been amazing. Um, Mofe, let's bring up Mofe's question as well. Um, and yeah, please, I'll, I'll read it out. What did surrendering your talent to God in public speaking actually look like? And how did you maintain the hunger to keep surrendering despite not seeing the financial growth? Good question, man. Good, good question. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think that upgrade the dream experience of doing that conference and, and you know, seeing, going through that journey was incredible because it was a catalyst for the Lord saying, I want to reframe you. Mm. I, before I got saved, I was already speaking. Mm. And I remember, I think I had a conversation with Ayo and Ayo was saying to me, it's going to be interesting to see how your purpose changes over time now that you're saved. I remember there was a part of me that was a little bit like, who told you my purpose was going to change, bro? It's not changing. This is what I do. This is what I'm known for. But it's so mad because, and I'm going to, I'm going to answer the question specifically, but I think I need to um, highlight something. I went from a man that would only ever produce content and do videos where I was doing motivational speaking, shouting at people online, you need to do this, you need to do that, boom, 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 to now, now, every Tuesday morning from 6 to 7 a.m., I do something called Wake Up and Worship. Mm. And brother, I'm singing my heart out online to the Lord. If you asked Carl of four years ago if he would ever do that, I would have laughed in your face. When I first got saved, I said I didn't even like gospel music. Yeah. I was like, I remember I said to Diani, I was like, brother, I'm good. Like, I'm here now, but the gospel thing, I'm not on it. Allow me. <laughs> Now man is singing my heart out. Now mm. of the biggest joys in my life are wake up and worship and my discipleship group. Mm. And so it's so incredible to think how, so to answer your question specifically, what it looked like was being prepared to listen to either the people or the mm. lessons I was learning in my life. Being prepared to be submitted and say, Mike, this relationship that you got with Mike Hayes is telling you something. And I went on like a six-month, seven-month, eight-month hiatus of not doing any speaking gigs, 
not putting out any video content. And all I was doing was working with one of my colleagues on myself, working on being more vulnerable, working on, I used to do things like write letters to my 16 year old self and the incredible wow. stuff that I was doing out of that. What, listen, when I do, by the grace of God, write a book one day, Come oh on. my God, there's gonna be some sweetness in that. And I'm not saying that from an ego perspective, I'm saying that from a perspective of, cause I'll be speaking on things that we can all relate to. I'll be speaking on things that we, we we all are like, oh my days, that's a revelation that I had. Um, so specifically, it looked like listening to the people that I was around. Mm. If people that I was around, that I trust, that I love, are saying there's a level that you need to go to that you can't see right now, trust us. Because I can't see, I can't see my blind spots. I see what's yep. going on over there. Surrounding myself with people that can look and say, you're brilliant, we love you, but X, Y, Z. And I was listening to something the other day, it was so deep, I think it was called The Secrets, this is a sex podcast, and he was saying that too many of us desire confirmation rather than correction. Wow. So it's like, we put ourselves in environments where we want people to just affirm what we already know, rather than to correct what we are doing. And that's hard, but that is what really produces fruit. And so one, it looks like um, surrendering yourself to what the, the, the Lord is saying to you. Like someone telling me the other day, like when I first said, I used to say all the time, and I'm not a pastor, but I used to say all the time, people would be like, oh, I think you're going to be a pastor. I think you're going to be this. And I would rebuke them. <laughs> How dare you? Don't, don't mention that in my name. Don't you dare. <laughs> but it's like, as you kind of mature and go through that journey, what you have to realize is it's like, Lord, if I put it like this, yeah. Sorry, I know I'm going in, but I, I have to say no, this. Good man. The tree doesn't tell the farmer what to do with the fruit. So once the the, the, the farmer will, will will plant the seed, yes, the the tree will grow. The tree will produce fruit. The yes, farmer sir. plucks the fruit and decides what to do with it. Maybe I'm going to eat it. Maybe I'm going to sell it. Maybe I'm going to use it for something else. So why do we, who are the tree, then turn around to God and say, God, this is my gift, but let me tell you how I want to use it. Okay. Or let me tell you what I'm going to use it to do. It's like, okay. no, 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 that's not your job. And so it's like coming to that place of just surrendering yourself and saying, Lord, how do you want to use me? And it might be that the thing that you are known for is not the thing that you were made for. And you've got to ask yourself the question, something that I still struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, if you want to use this gift, the gift that you want to use me for is not what I suspect. Am I ready to surrender to that? And that's something that is, is, is super, super, super key, man. And so I think a lot of it is to do with unlearning certain things, unlearning you know, like I go to a place where I've definitely put my identity in me being a speaker. Yeah, I've mm. done two TED Talks. Yeah, I've spoken at this school. Yeah, I've spoken at that school. But over time, I was starting to see the fruit of that. And the fruit of that is no success seems good enough. And that's why going back to that scripture that you read, everything that the ego wants is a bottom pit nowhere. And you can't put yourself, your identity, identity in that thing that is on your LinkedIn profile because even that that will ruin you and yeah. um, so I think it comes to that sort of like just acknowledging that and saying actually this thing can ruin me if 
it's not used correctly. And the only person that knows how to use it correctly is my maker, number one. And then how did you maintain the hunger to keep surrendering despite not seeing the financial growth? I think it comes from, again, it's basic things, but if you're put in a position, so last year we got into lockdown and I went into a fast. And when I was fasting, I heard the Lord say to me, you're going into a season of increase. Mm. And in lockdown, you know, I'm blessed and privileged and honored to say that we've won over like 100K in contracts. Brilliant. Oh. But that was born out of me being prepared to say, Lord, if what you have made me for is not to be a motivational speaker, but maybe you want me to serve in this space and maybe you want me to focus more on ministry, let me be prepared to do that. And, and let me also have faith that the fruit of that faith is actually going to be way bigger than what I could have done my own. As I think it comes from being patient and being faithful in that season, that whatever the Lord is doing in you, if you travel, it will produce a fruit. I said I came into 2020 wanting to do a conference and do the lit Instagram post, Upgrade the Dream. My friends, I left 2020 with a BEM. Come now, on. if that is not the Lord showing you that, listen, I'm faithful and what I promise for you is much bigger than what you can promise for yourself. I don't know what is. So it comes from being faithful, man. It comes from being obedient. It will feel confusing. It will feel, it will feel difficult. It will feel like you're going in the wrong direction, but we must travel. Come on, man. That's so good. And I know, I know we're just, I'm just conscious of time, man. Um, what you said was so fantastic. I, I want to just ask you another question though. And please leave us with, with some wisdom here. Um, you mentioned a lot. Uh, you mentioned vulnerability a lot. Um, you mentioned it. Um, how how do we? Because obviously you mentioned naked accountability. That's great. You know, it could be a, how, how do we become more vulnerable as men? You know, like I, I, it's something that I think it's a big weakness amongst many men that I know, amongst many leaders that I know. Um, how and you've spoken about it with such a boldness and i love it bro so i'd love to know yeah how, like vulnerability bro how or what tips or what would you share with a man them today to let us know look like how can we be more vulnerable yeah yeah um it's a, it's a it's a really really good question and a really important question um i had a session where we were talking about manhood and we were writing down words to do with manhood and i was saying that no, I wrote down the word Christ-likeness, and then I was like, actually, okay, cool, but let's break that down. What does that mean? Um, and I was writing down words like humbleness, humility, mm. love, truth, mm. sacrifice. Mm. Um, and when I think about that, yeah, I think for me, vulnerability became easier. Vulnerability became easier. Going back to that very first point that I said. Vulnerability became easier when I realized that it's one thing to tell people what to do, but it's another thing to tell people who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the over that's the, that's the overarching theme of this season of my life, where the Lord is saying, even today, for those who have seen me speak before, nine times out of ten, there would have been PowerPoint slides, there would have been some specific keys and practicals. Part of the you might even be frustrated listening to this because you're thinking to yourself, why is he not just giving us practicals? The Lord has been speaking to me about stop just teaching people what to do. Teach them who you are. Go on these platforms and just open up your heart and show them who you are. 
Come because on. that is more powerful than your ability to memorize a quote that someone else said. And Come I think on. there's something really powerful there. So I think that's number one. Getting yourself to a place where you spend less time giving orders and more time presenting your, your, your feelings and who you are. Again, I've mentioned it before. Journaling, for me, super key. Super, super key. Because I think when you get your thoughts out of your head and onto a piece of paper, you start to see when you're tripping, when you're, when you're, when you're coming up with something good, when, 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 there's a, when, you, when there's a pattern in what you've been doing. I think that's key. Um, again, I don't, I'm not going to say anything that's super like um, transformative that you've never heard before. Having, a br having brothers or having a brother. So one lesson that I've learned, especially since getting saved when it comes to the mandem and friendships, I've noticed over time that like I got saved and I remember at my baptism, we went Nando's afterwards and one of my brethren asked me, and I laughed it off at the time, but when I think about it, it's so interesting. One of my brethren asked me, yo, now that you're saved, you're going to move like those religious people and just drop us all out. And like everyone at the table laughed. And it was so interesting because I looked back over time and I realized that my friendships have totally shifted. Mm -hmm. I didn't like shut all the man them out, but my friendships totally shifted. And it was mm -hmm. mad because they had to shift because if I'm saying that my heart is changing, how can my heart change, but my friendship look exactly the same with people whose hearts haven't changed? It doesn't make sense. So I think one of the things that I noticed over time is that it's so important to identify who your friends are and who your inner circle is. The inner circle only needs to be a few people. But that inner circle, listen, they need to know who you are naked. <laughs> naked. They, they need to know who you are naked. Right, to the point where like, there is nothing that you're hiding. And you know why? Cool. I was praying the other day and I felt the Lord saying to me, look, more, the, the, the more you try to, you know, um, be partial with the truth to those people in the inner circle, the more likely you are to be seduced to sin. Jesus. Because your partiality in sharing the truth, your partiality in being naked, the partiality, the part you're willing to share, the part that you're not willing to share is where the enemy's playground is. So it's like, you didn't open your mouth and say it, but the enemy can now use that as a vehicle to get into you. So your partiality in what you share results in you being seduced in order to sin. Because like, as soon as you open that door, the enemy's in. Um, so I think there's something really powerful there. Again, I keep going on about it, but naked accountability and the exercise that you're doing here at 412 Men with regards to the model man challenge is incredible because my life shifted when I was being mentored. I was receiving a mentorship and then I was also mentoring. That's good. There's something like if we were to break down the leadership journey, a big part of it is you really start to become a leader. Number one, when you identify when you get clarity about you wanting to grow. Mm -hmm. Number two, you start putting yourself in the correct environment. And then number three, when you start to top that up with responsibility. 
Wow. When you start to get responsibility, that's when we can really... Like, everybody has to start with leading themselves. Leadership starts with you. You can't lead anyone if you don't lead yourself. But once yeah. you've done that and you start to get clarity behind that, and then you start to put yourself in the right environment, the next step is you start to, you've got to then start to put some responsibility on it. Because I was saying to a man the other day that, like, if someone was to come to you and say, hey, here's my son... I'm looking for a man to model them on. I'm going to leave him with you for some time. Could you wholeheartedly say, yes, be with me? And what are the good and what are the bad parts? And it was mad how everyone paused because it was like, your mind doesn't go straight to, oh, I'm a sick speaker. Oh, I'm an amazing this. Oh, I'm an amazing that. Your mind goes straight to, okay, but what's in the dark place that's going to rub off on them? And those yeah. are the things that you really need to tackle. Um, so I think there's something incredible there about us just being open, man, and having that naked accountability. Fam, fam, that was powerful, bro. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, fam, I'm pondering on some of the things that you've said, bro. And I think that is uh, what I love about today and, and what I love is that I've, I've got to learn a bit more about you today. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I've left with a lot of different principles that I can apply. Um, and and I think this is what I'm saying in terms of you being an example. It's you're being able to show us, listen, this is my journey. These are some of the things that I've done or these are some of the things that I'm doing. Um, and, and I think this is what it's all about, man, the community and us building each other, us sharing. Because that's one thing you've shared a lot today. And a lot of people mm. don't like to share. Mm. I think I think mm. that's one of the things that's keeping us bound that we don't open our mouths, and we've got a lot of these dirty little secrets. Oof, yeah. Bro, so many, so many, man, and they just like, um, and yeah, they they just like wind us up. I think like because Tosshad, I know you speak as well, and there's a lot of people in the platform that that share as well. I think there's something really interesting about how like we often preach a much higher standard than we actually practice. Come on. So I think the trick is to not get too caught up on what you're preaching and on all of the platforms and pedestals that you're being put on. Again, for me, I know this. Yeah. I know that, especially if you're gifted in the area of communication, it's very easy to go and just be ba 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 the fires in the chat boom 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 brilliant but what you preach and what you practice might not necessarily always match up and so i think for us you know there's a scripture in the bible where paul is saying and these things that you've seen me do practice these things come on and i love that word practice because if someone says do something you might go and do it once and come back but if someone says practice something it speaks to the fact that you've got to do it constantly come on and so i think there's something really powerful there about us practicing the things that the Lord has spoken to us about and has put on our heart, practicing those things constantly. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's really, really important, man. Praise God. Let's even, even just even before you go, my brother, please, I'd, I'd love for you to just, just pray, just pray for the brothers, everyone just tuned in. And, and before you do, I just want to read some scripture, if that's okay with you. Um, Proverbs, Proverbs 11. Um, and I'm reading, I'm reading from verse two. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Honesty guides good people, 
Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Riches won't help on a day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. The godly are directed by honesty. The wicked fall beneath their load of sin. And last scripture, I'll read verse six. The godliness of good people rescues them. The ambition of treacherous people traps them. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know what? Sorry, sorry, sorry. You just reminded me of something that the Lord said to me. Sorry, I'm so sorry. So I, 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 I was praying a few weeks ago um, and I had done, I had just finished the wake up and worship and the wake up and worship is something I do on Instagram live and it was really powerful and everyone said getting so much from it. It was amazing. And I finished praying. I finished and then I went just to spend a little bit more time with the Lord just to refuel myself. And I heard the Lord say to me, your character is a container for your calling. Whoa. I'll, I'll break that one down. He said, your character is a container for your calling. Whoa. See, often what we do sometimes, because if you think about it, yeah, like, you know, like when you used to, when I go home and my mom's got that sweet jollof rice, depending <laughs> on, you know, like, she puts that in a good Pyrex container, like a strong one. It's like, this is good. Like, she's doing something extra special for me. But the content of what's in the container is what's valuable. Mm. Not the... All right, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just, let me just make it simple. Let me just make it simple. We often focus a lot on the calling. I'm a speaker, I'm a businessman, I'm a this, I'm a that. And what the Holy Spirit was just saying to me is that, look, that is great that I've given you these gifts, but in order for you to carry these gifts and do with them what I want you to do, your focus needs to be on your character. There's a scripture that Diani bangs all the time. Integrity shall lead the righteous. Yes, you know? yeah. There's a couple of scriptures that I've been meditating on Proverbs um, recently. There's a scripture that says, a man who loves pleasure yeah. will always be poor. He who yeah. loves oil and wine will never be rich. Ah, oh, the way the Holy Spirit spoke to me with regards to self-discipline, self-control. Yeah. A man who loves pleasure will always be poor. He who loves oil and wine will never be rich. There's another scripture in Proverbs that says, you know, a man who has no self-control is like a city broken into with its doors left open. Jesus. Do you know what those scriptures mean? Yes. The way the Holy Spirit just said to me, look, man, when it comes Jesus. to self-control, when it comes to discipline, when it comes to integrity, righteousness, I want you to focus on these things. Don't focus on, you're, you're so busy, caught up on how am I going to be successful? How am I going to make money? How am I going to do this? Those things will come. Your character is a container for your calling. So if your character is poor, your calling will not have a container to travel to the places it needs to go. If mom gives you a rubbish container for the soup, the soup spills in the car and it doesn't even get to the person that it was supposed to go to. But if I get a good container, a strong container, the right container, I can ensure that the content gets carried to the right place. Your character is a container for your calling. Stop looking at God saying, Lord, when are you going to take me to that place? Your character cannot even contain the thing that's trying to get there. Jesus. Integrity, telling the truth. 
telling Jesus. the truth, being, being, being honest, being a man of your word, turning up on time, character Jesus. for us as men, especially you're growing up in some of these like, single parent households. Nobody has ever sat you down and said, by the way, some of us, the only time we found out that timekeeping was an issue was when we got sacked. Wow. And it was too late. You've never had a black man or a black woman turn around to you and say your, your timekeeping is an issue. There's no one that's spoken that into your life. You've never had someone say to you, hey, the way you speak to, speak to women, it's not right. My You've God. never had someone say to you, hey, the way you spend money, it's not right. My God. Your character is a container for your calling. Your eyes are fixated on, oh, my calling, what am I going to be? What am I going to be? Your character is the thing that's going to carry that. Get okay. that right. Get that right. Sorry, I just had to. I just had to. No, that was powerful, powerful, bro. Please en encourage us, man. Encourage us, please, please. It's good to pray, even if it's a short prayer, just to encourage us following what we've just done today. Yeah. I think it's really important. Ah, cool. uh, oh, Heavenly Father, we we thank you. We thank you so so much for for this platform. We thank you for this community. Um, we thank you for all that you're doing through the lives of all of the men at 412. We thank you that you put the vision on Ayo's heart to create a community where your men could be planted, where they could be poured into, where they could be loved. Lord, I really feel to pray into love. Yes, God. I pray that every single man on this call will know that he is loved. Yes. Lord, I pray that you will surround them Surround them with your love. Surround them with your joy. Surround them with your peace, Lord. Whether you do it through the people in their lives, whether you do it through the secret place, whether you do it through the word, just let them know that they are loved, Lord Heavenly Father. Let them get to a place in their lives where they're like the child in the playground that is running around carefree because he knows that his parents are there waiting for him. He is loved. Yes. I pray, Lord Heavenly Father, and pray into... Any of us men had situations growing up or conflict growing up that have distorted our view of love, distorted our view of you, distorted our view of what it means to be a man. I pray that we will be restored in the name of Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Behold, Lord Heavenly Father, those things have passed away. All things have become new. I pray for a newness, yes. a newness in love, newness in manhood. Lord, I pray for the grace and the, the, the wisdom and that your hand will be over the lives of all of us as men, that we will seek to be, we will seek to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yes, God. Make us men of integrity. Let us prioritize character. Let us prioritize honesty, truth, mm. sacrifice, those things that make us men. Regardless of the relationships that we had with our father figures growing up, Lord Heavenly Father, let us understand that the one true father in heaven who loves us, who cares for us, has got a plan for us. Yes, God. To prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future and a hope. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will take your word and we will speak it over our lives. Yes, Jesus. That our, our words, Lord Heavenly Father, will be a fountain of goodness, a fountain of joy, a fountain of peace, a fountain of love, a fountain of sturdiness over our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this ministry. We thank you for all the men here. We thank you that you've used me as a vessel, Lord Heavenly Father. I pray that the hearts on this call will be good ground to receive what you have shared today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. My brother. Ah, oh, bless you, man. Brother, it's been a God, Tosan, thank you for the way you've chaired this, man. It's been a beautiful conversation. Um, I've oh. really, really enjoyed speaking to you. I can't lie, bro. I could have I had so much more that I wanted to share. I could have went on for hours and hours okay. and hours. Yeah, man. I know, I know. Don't worry, man. Bless you, man. Honestly, listen, make this not be the last the last time we're seeing you again. We need to see more of you, my brother. Um, absolute pleasure, man. Absolutely loved it. And I really hope that literally everyone was just blessed by what you shared. Um, amen. But yeah, man. Bless you, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, show some love. Listen, he's one of us, man. Show him some love. Some fire emojis in the comments. Amen. <laughs> bless you brothers man bless, bless you man. brothers man it's been amazing it's been amazing for um just a quick shameless plug before i go um, yes, for, for any of the man them who are on the call who are early birds i mentioned we've got wake up and worship um on tuesday mornings from 6 to 7 a.m on instagram live um and the reason why i'm passionate about sharing that in circles of men is because going back to what i said about stereotypes a lot of the time there's a lot of women who are willing to be vulnerable are willing to be open to to praise the lord but there is something incredible that happens when a man worships with his whole heart. David mm -hmm. said, I will worship you with my whole heart. I will recount your blessings. Yes. And there's something incredible about us, you know, like me being in an environment where I saw that men were not ashamed to worship and cry out to God. I caught that. I, I caught that spirit. I caught that energy. So I think there's something incredible about us now being intentional about emulating that to other young men. I don't ever want any of the young men that I'm mentoring to be feeling some type of way because they haven't seen me worship and cry out to them. No, 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 no. You need to see this. Mm. You need to see this. And you need to see that this is a norm. Yeah. You know, I don't want you waking up with that stereotype that actually now only women do this. This needs to be your norm as a man. So I just mm. encourage as men, you know, you might not be way up and worship. I don't know whatever you need to play into, but plug in, man. Um, and yeah, bless bless you, brothers, man. Bless you, man. Bless you, man. You heard him. You heard him. Please plug into what he's doing. Follow him. Literally, man. That's, we can find you by your name, right? So your social. I know you don't have yeah, it on. Yeah. Yeah. All social. Just Carl Canardi. Just Carl Canardi. Hit me up on Insta, man. Please hit him up. Please. Literally. That's an invitation. Please do. Let's connect, man. Be on this. Thank Bless you, man. Privilege and an honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, bro. Blessings. Blessings. Take care, man.